Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The information contained on this platform represents the opinion of the host and shall not be understood, construed as, or a substitute for medical or health advice. Please see a health professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. It's the Black Health 365 podcast, and we are here to make sure you look good on the outside and even better on the inside. After all, looking good, feeling good, and living a healthy lifestyle 365 days of the year should be a daily choice. Here at the Black Health 365 podcast, we will address the healthcare disparities within the Black community with trusted voices and information to empower a healthy lifestyle. Ain't that right, Britt? I'm talking about mind, body, and soul. What's good, 365ers? My name is Britt Daniels, your fit life coach, yogi, entrepreneur, co-host of Black Health 365. It is our mission to be champions of truth and change by providing y'all with personalized healthcare information and resources from trusted professionals. We are here to empower the Black community to make healthy choices all year long. And I'm joined by my beautiful co-host, Jackie. Go ahead and acknowledge <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I will take that any day of the week. Uh, Jackie Page, radio personality, um, fitness lover, personal trainer, Zumba instructor, you name it. In some way, shape, or form, I probably do it. Welcome to the Black Health 365 podcast. And I have to say, because it's only important, um, it is Women's History Month. So I would be crazy if I did not, you know, take this time and say, you know, happy Women's History Month. I mean, we do it 365 days a year, but especially this month. So happy Women's History Month to all of the 365ers that are women out here doing a thing. I'm sorry, Britt, I had to. No, you I, had I'm, to. I'm, I love it. <laughs> I'm here in full support. Hey, I'll take it any day of the week, okay? Hey, but you know how we start this thing off, Jackie? We got to do our check-ins, emotional check-in. How you feeling? I am feeling Okay. Um, I'm a little tired and this is a self-imposed tiredness because I have been doing a lot. Um, I have not been going to bed on time. All things again that have been self-imposed. Um, so not bad things. I think one night, like I stayed up and me and my boo went back and forth. We was having a little argument via text message. So instead of putting the phone down and going to sleep and I know I should went to sleep. No, I was like, oh, you want to smoke? I'm about to give you the smoke. So, you know, the smoke was being given. Um, and then I went to a concert and ended up getting home late, which means I got in the bed late. So I'm okay. But again, all things that I love how we do these check-ins because yeah. it literally is like a check-in. Like, well, Jackie, why are you tired? Why are you just okay? Well, it's because these are things that I knew I should have did, but I didn't do, and I did it anyway. So this is why I'm tired. So I'm okay. That. I'm good. I'm I'm good, but a little tired. How are you doing? That's exactly why I do these check-ins. It's like, hold up, what's going on? <laughs> I know we got to give to others right now, but what's going on internally? For me, Jackie, I'm having conflicted feelings. Um, I've been doing a lot of events this year, especially in February, January as well. You know, as a fitness instructor, as a corporate wellness director, running my businesses. There's been a lot of me giving, giving, giving to others. And, you know, a lot of the things I do operate from the space of being a healer. And in that space, sometimes we have this misconception that we got to show up as perfect and mm -hmm. always authentic in certain spaces. And it's been a case where I haven't been feeling that most authentic when I show up to these spaces, but I still try to force it. And um, it's created this dichotomy within me that doesn't that hasn't been sitting well to my spirit. And so I had like kind of a big existential crisis the other day where I had like to do this healing circle. You know, we had some some spoken word artists get together and some um, some other healers within this, in, the, in the industry. And I felt like crap, but I was just trying to pretend like everything was okay. Even though I'm talking, hey, you gotta be authentic and everything, but I didn't feel like authentic. Um, and so that's actually the topic for today's Dharma Talk. 365ers, we do these things called Dharma Talks, which are like little mini sermons just to set the tone for the conversation today. And today's Dharma talk is throw away the code switch, show up as your most authentic self and recognize how vulnerability at the right moments can just set you free. I taught a yoga class after having my big existential crisis. I showed up to the class and told everyone, I, I ain't gonna lie to y'all, I don't wanna be here. I and I saw you do that on Instagram. And I was just like, how did that go? It, it felt so cathartic in that moment. It's like, 
and it was real, right? Um, and it allowed me to navigate emotions in a public space that I have never really done before. You know me, I'm a big, despite me doing all the things I do, I'm actually an introvert. Um, and I'm still learning to express vulnerability despite me doing this work. Um, but, you know, people received it well. And that was honestly one of my, once I got into it, that was probably one of my best flows I've ever done. And, uh, you know, it seems like people appreciated it. And I know I felt better. So I told people in the beginning of the class, like, I ain't feeling well, but we're going to work through this together. And we're going to feel these emotions together. So everything I'm saying to y'all, I'm just saying to myself. I'm just letting spirit speak through me. So um, that's kind of what I'm going through, Jackie. Very emotional things, <laughs> which is actually the topic of today, kind of. Yes. So, um, I, so I, I want you to kind of, emotional intelligence, dating, is what we're talking about. You actually had an opportunity to meet our guest at, you know, talking about all the events that you have been doing in the bag that you've been getting to. You actually had an opportunity to meet our guest um, at one of the events. So um, tell me about this e event that you were doing, how you guys like met. I I'm really interested in hearing this story. Yeah, yeah. Then we're going to get into the concept of emotional intelligence. But this event was a yoga and slash dating event, right? And that sounds like interesting, like, oh, Very much so. yoga, <laughs> and then you can meet someone uh, and then speed dating. But no, it it it, it was um, fostered between this company called Carpe Diem, which is um, a company in the DMV that's creating an app for Black women to help find sustainable and long-lasting relationships. Is it free? Because I need I'm in the DMV, <laughs> but I need to sign up because it's giving single. <laughs> You know, what's, what's really cool about, to my knowledge, and our, and our guests can give a little bit more information about if I speak, mis if I'm, if I speak wrong or anything. It's, it's, it's membership-based, and what's, what's unique about it versus, like, or what is it? Um, yeah. This white right or left, which can be a little dehumanizing, right? Uh, you actually set up a profile and a professional matchmaker, actually, who specializes in emotional intelligence and psychology actually matches you together. Um, I hope I said that correctly. And so I think that's a really unique idea because as you know, Jackie, well, you said boo. So it's not like y'all get it more serious, <laughs> but um, dating can be can be a little traumatic for a lot of people, especially in the city. And it has been for me and I'm still single, um, intentionally single now. We're going to talk about that space I've stepped into. Um, and so, yeah, we set up an event where we did like a co-ed yoga flow, me and this other instructor named Radiance. Um, and then afterwards, our uh, guest, Aaron, uh, who is, you know, certified in a lot of different forms of psychology and relationships and dating, dropped some really powerful gems. But um, a lot of what was being said, both in the yoga flow, yoga is a tool for self-inventory, but it's also a tool for helping you navigate your emotions so that you can connect with someone else, was about emotional intelligence. When emotional intelligence became a big zing word, I feel like, in their early 2000s maybe or maybe 2010s i think it was like a big book that came out but um one definition for emotional intelligence is the ability to perceive interpret demonstrate control and use emotions to communicate with and relate to others effectively and constructively it's an ability to express and control emotion emotions that are essential it's also an ability to understand interpret and respond to those emotions so that you connect can connect with yourself and with others right and so there's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes into that. That's that. I actually never. I'm not gonna say I've never heard what emotional intelligence was because I have. I don't think I've ever really known the the definition, um, and I didn't know that it connected to me connecting to other people. Um, so I'm actually really happy to have Aaron join us to kind of dive into that. Um, Aaron is an attorney and a, a certified emotional intelligence coach trainer, speaker. Uh, Aaron. how are you doing today? I am good. How are you? I am well. Um, glad to have you to break down a lot of things, to get into a lot of things, um, emotional intelligence, um, healthy relationships. Um, I guess we should kind of just start there with emotional intelligence. I did not know that it had anything to do with anybody else. Um, oh. Your emotional intelligence is actually probably the number one most important thing in terms of building a relationship. Mm. If you want your relationship to be healthy, regardless of if it's a romantic relationship, a platonic relationship, a relationship at work, um, emotional intelligence is really going to be key um, for that relationship to be healthy. Now, that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I guess 
hearing the word like Brit said it's something that kind of popped up what you saying was like 2010 ish is when it like became a big thing um I don't know I just always thought like oh it was me being in tune with my emotions so that I can process things the way I need to process things and deal with things the way that I, I thought that it was centered around me. So it is very interesting and very enlightening to hear that, like you said, this does have a lot to do with um, the other people that are in my life and the people that I interact with. You started out as an attorney. Mm -hmm. How did you get into this space of becoming an emotional intelligence coach? So the transition is not as, or it was not as intentional as it sounds. Um, I wish I could say that I was brave enough for it to be very intentional, but it wasn't. Um, I think we all have this idea of what our life is going to look at, look like at some point in our time. And so for me, I thought by 30, I was going to be a happy, high paid attorney, married to my best friend with children. And of course, that's not what happened. Um, seven months before my 30th birthday, my life fell apart. Um, the guy that I was dating at the time said, you know, this isn't what I wanted. Um, I had just moved to the D.C. area, so I was by myself. Um, and I absolutely, hate is a strong word. I did not enjoy my job. Um, I was unfulfilled. The workload was a lot, so it was extremely stressful. And on top of that, I wasn't getting paid enough money. I know people think attorneys make a whole lot of money, but when you're also an attorney, you have a lot of student loan debt. And that's right? that. So it was just like, it was, I felt like every single area of my life was in shambles. It had completely fallen apart. Um, and just being transparent, I ended up being depressed. Um, and I struggled with depression for probably about three to four years. Um, and at one point, I just got tired of being miserable. Um, I got tired of not being happy and I would tell myself like, this is not the life that God has for me. And so I made a decision that, well, okay, it's time for you to recreate your life. And since I said I had to recreate my life in every area, I'm going to create it the way that I want it to look like. I'm going to create a life that I absolutely love doing the work that I love, all of that. Um, and it actually took a long time. Uh, I had to really get to know who Aaron is, what I like what I don't like, what is healthy for me and what's not healthy for me. Um, and that actually took me a long time, right? To even just create my own definition of success, to embrace that it's okay that I don't enjoy being an attorney, right? No, it's okay that, you know, you tell people you're an attorney, like, oh my God, I wanted to do it, right? It's an admirable profession, but it took me a long time to know that it's okay that I didn't enjoy it. I felt ungrateful. Um, and so it, it took me a long time to work through that. And so I got to learn what I like, what I don't like, um, and what's healthy for me, like I said. And so for me, practicing law, at least litigation, what I was doing, that fell into the category of what's not healthy for me. Um, so even after I was no longer depressed, right, I pulled myself out of the depression, um, I still cried every day. Um, and when I finally decided that this was it, I was sitting at the computer. It was a Friday night doing work. Um, and I had actually been crying for days. And I finally said, I won't use the words that I use, but forget this. <laughs> like, I don't have to do anything that makes me feel like this, right? I felt like a kid that got a beaten and had to go clean their room. Like, that's how I felt. And I'm like, I'm an adult. I can be happy, right? I'm in control of my own destiny. And so I decided, like, this is it. I made an appointment with my therapist and my psychiatrist. And, you know, we kind of walked through it. And I decided that this is just not what I was going to do. Um, so I actually quit being a lawyer because the toll it took on my mental health. Right? And I had to choose me. I was in that season of learning me and embracing everything about me and really finding out what I like, right? Not what society tells me I should like or what my life should look like, really what I wanted. Um, and so I had to choose me. And so I let it go. Um, now, at that point, I was already coaching. And to be fair, God told me to quit earlier, but I just didn't because I was scared. I had just bought a house. I, I can't quit. I'm an attorney. Like I still have my doubt. People going to listen to me about relationships and coaching. So I still have my doubts. But, you know, when you don't have any other options, you learn how to figure it out. Um, and so like most coaches, I realized that, right, I've been a coach my whole life. People have always come to me for help, um, which, you know, was surprising. 
Um, and after I went on like this deep soul search, figuring out, you know, what is it that I'm created for? Because I knew probably two months into practicing law that I wasn't going to do that forever. Um, I figured out that coaching is my purpose, but I still had no idea what that was going to look like. Um, and if I know you guys are entrepreneurs, so they usually tell you, like, what problem are you solving? And when you think about the people that you want to help, a lot of times you are in your target market. Um, and so when I started to think about the things, the challenges that I have overcome, um, one of the things that made my job so difficult was I had what I thought was a condescending supervisor. Right. So every time I would give him something to review, he would literally write all over in a red ink pen, like on top of the words that I wrote. I can't read that. Or every time I would ask him a question, it would be no. And so this relationship like really bothered me. At that time, I was getting my coaching certification and I was learning about emotional intelligence. And they're like, oh, it works in the workplace for relationships. So I'm like, well, let's see if it works. So I started to practice, you know, the different skills of emotional intelligence. And I got to the point where I could get him to say anything that I needed him to say. And so at that point, that relationship was no longer a problem. I'm like, well, if it worked here, let's try these personal relationships. And it works. And so when I was thinking about, you know, what it is I want to help people with, right, emotional intelligence is usually taught in the workplace, um, but it benefits any relationship. And I think that our personal relationships have a bigger impact on our quality of life, right? People are quick to quit a job, right? You say your boss says something that you don't like, I'm out of here and you don't get a new job. People are not so quick to pull the trigger with romantic relationships. And so um, I think that if people are able to learn the skills of emotional intelligence, literally every relationship would be healthier. Um, a lot of people settle in relationships and that really makes me sad. Like that's the one thing, like it really makes me sad. Like you say you want this, but that's not how you're behaving. Um, and so I really try to help people manifest the love that they deserve by teaching them the skills of emotional intelligence. Wow, that was a, a powerful testimony, Aaron. And we appreciate you being so candid with all of that and that, that huge transformative experience that you have. And um, we've been talking, me and Jackie, about how healing is a verb. And I'm sure you still are growing through yourself and getting to know yourself and navigating yourself, even with all this information in the new relationships that come into your life. You know, I gave a big Googleable textbook definition of emotional intelligence, but what does that term mean to you? You know, we, I feel like a lot of people know about IQ. And that's a follow-up question. How do you measure emotional intelligence versus IQ? But what does emotional intelligence mean to you? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yep, so emotional intelligence, I think it means happiness. It means peace. I think that's the biggest one. You, Your life will be a lot peaceful a lot more peaceful when you are able to master the skills of emotional intelligence. Um, emotional intelligence is actually the biggest predictor of success in job performance. They say it's more important than your IQ, right? IQ gets you the job. EQ is what helps you succeed, right? You know smart people that have no social skills, right? And so there are studies out there that show that emotional intelligence is more important than your IQ. Um, people that are more emotionally intelligent actually make more money. Uh, for every point that you raise your emotional intelligence, I think the survey says like you make $1,300 more. Um, so it is very, is actually connected to almost every area of your life. But I think that it's absolutely about, for me, I think the biggest impact is just the, the peace that I have been able to accomplish in my life. How does somebody connect into their uh, emotional intelligence? Um, it sounds like it's something, it sounds like it's a hard process. Um, is it a hard press, process? Is it an easy process? Like how, 
how do I connect to it? And how do I know that I've connected to it? So I don't think it's as hard as you think, right? So you said earlier, Jackie, that when you think about emotional intelligence, you think about it just in terms of managing your own emotions. So there are actually four different skills of, of emotional intelligence. The first one is self-awareness. And so self-awareness is being able to recognize your emotions, knowing when your mood shifts, knowing what you need when your mood shifts, right? And so being aware of those traits and your characteristics, right, that's the first step. The second skill is self-management. So now that I'm aware of my anger or my triggers or things like that, what do I do about it? So once I'm angered, what do I need to do? How do I govern myself in this relationship once I'm angry, right? So the third skill, and this is the one I would almost say is more important than the self-awareness. The third skill of emotional intelligence is empathy. In time to see things from other people's perspective. And I think this is the one thing in terms of relationships, especially romantic relationships, I think almost every relationship would be healthier almost immediately if more people were empathetic. If people took the time to understand things from their partner's point of view, you don't have to, you don't have to agree, but to just truly understand who your partner is, not trying to force them to be anybody else, right? understanding who they are, why they are this way, I think it would take out a lot of conflict that goes on in relationships. And then the fourth component is the conflict resolution. And so you're using all of this information to better the relationship. Dancing crew, trip for two, nail the final interview. Game with Doug, brand new mug. Come here, kid. Give me a hug. The more you want to do, the more we want to do. New COVID-19 boosters designed for recent Omicron variants are now available. Learn about eligibility and schedule a free updated booster today at vaccines.gov. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. Is there a test or something that I could take to kind of dive into my um, emotional intelligence? Or is it just something I Google and just... I, how do I figure out like what my what my emotions are and what my triggers are and how I can empathize? So there, yeah, there what are some are, signs? Yep. So there are assessments. I actually been working on my own assessments to create, but that just kind of gives you like a score, like your your they score you in each category, each of those skills, um, and they kind of give you tips sometimes. But I like to teach in real time, right? Because they're just going to give you your self awareness is a nine. Your but that doesn't really help you in the context. So when I'm working with people, the way that emo what emotional intelligence looks like in real life, um, a lot of it has to do with your communication. Um, so your signs are going to be things like, do you have the same arguments all the time? Um, the yelling and screaming and hollering, that's actually a sign of a lack of emotional intelligence. Right? Conflict is inevitable in a relationship, but it's how you handle it that matters. So people that yell and scream, that's a sign of lack of emotional intelligence. Um, if you have to always be right, um, if you feel like, um, like it's your way or the highway, if you are oblivious to people around you, right? These are the different signs that you, that are more likely to give you an indication of people's emotional intelligence. Um, what else is there? If you don't think before you speak, that's a big one, like people. A lot of people just fly off at the handle and sometimes later they have to go back like, dang, I shouldn't have said that, right? That time that you take to think before you say stuff or you respond, right? That is your emotional intelligence, right? You're, everybody has an emotional reaction first. You can't help it. It's the way that our brains are wired. But you can help how you respond to that emotion. And so if you take the time to just process what that emotion means, what needs to happen with it, how you need to respond to it, right? That's how you know you are being emotionally intelligent when you are still making a conscious decision and how you want to respond to the emotions that you're feeling. Love it. Um, Eric, we've been discussing now for, we've been discussing how emotional intelligence helps us navigate our own internal world, which justly helps us understand how we talk and relate to other people. I like to kind of transition now into what, healthy relationships look like, romantic relationships. Uh, how would you define a healthy, let's even, let's, let's make it specific. How would you define a healthy romantic relationship? 
I think a healthy relationship is one where both partners are satisfied sexually, mentally, emotionally, physically, right? Both partners have to be satisfied and their needs met. Um, and I think it's also about um, the two of them being able to coexist, right? So their core values, they don't have to be the same, but they have to be able to coexist without conflicting. And I think that's what a healthy relationship is. Is this a 365 days, a 24 seven type of situation? Because the reality is life is it life. So is there like a percentage of time that you should feel this way for it to be defined as a healthy relationship or? So I won't say that there's a certain time, right? Cause there are going to be moments where you don't like your partner, but I think overall, if you, even if you are angry and you take a step back and you try to, which days outweigh, like if you have more bad days than good days, right? A conversation needs to be had. Um, if you can't figure out what the issue is, it also depends on what the issue is, right? If it's something that can be resolved, cool, right? But if it's something that you want to get married and they don't, you can't really resolve it, right? So you have to make sure that, that's what I was saying, your core values have to align and you have to be able to coexist. But if you, to the extent that what you want differs and neither one of you are willing to change on that, I don't necessarily consider that a healthy relationship. And so I think a relationship is, conflict is a part of a healthy relationship, right? Like I said, it's how you deal with it that matters the most. So no, you're not always going to like your partner, but I think more, more likely than not, or more times than not, you should be able, or you should be willing to still support your partner and love your partner and make sure that their needs are met. I love that. I think you're hearing that it seems like a healthy relationship is a symptom of two emotionally intelligent people. And through the ups and the downs of the relationship, they both have the capacity to step outside of themselves and have a conversation to figure things out that can be figured out. Um, you know, I was in a, I would say, I would argue an emotionally intelligent relationship recently. Um, and we could talk things out, but she wanted a kid and I didn't. And so both as two emotionally intelligent people say, hey, I really like you. I want you in my life, but we have different values. So we had to step away from each other. Yep. Um, and I think that's another sign. So like being emotionally intelligent is knowing when a situation or a relationship is no longer serving you. That's I'm going to be completely honest, because that's what we do here on the Black Health 365 podcast. That can be hard, um, especially at an older age, and I'm not going to sit up here and say that I'm older, I'm 35, but when you're 35, it can, it can be harder because we are um, in a society that really pushes that, you know, you need to be married, you don't want to be by yourself, and you don't want to be by yourself, you, you want to be married. Um, so that, it, it can be a hard thing to do to say, okay, this isn't serving me, you kind of want to sit here and make it serve you. And so this is what I think pe where people go wrong. So I'll be 35 in August. Um, people don't ask enough questions up front, right? People wait to ask the important questions. So I actually created a card game. I have two. Um, the dating version is to help you figure out if you're compatible with this person. And it has 50 questions that you should ask somebody that not all at once, but that will help you determine if you are compatible. Um, and so I think that there are certain questions like your deal breakers, they need to happen in the first conversation. So that do we, do I want kids? That needs to be, ha that needs to happen in the very first conversation before we even meet up. What type of relationship are you open to? Because if I want to get married and you don't, there's no need to keep going. And so I think part of the issue, and it's absolutely difficult, but part of the issue is that we wait too long to have the important conversations. And right, and that's when I say you got to take accountability for the part you play in your heartbreak. Right. So you got to make sure that you're asking the important questions up front. And then I get the same question. Women say, well, what if I scare him off? You want to. You want to. Because if you want kids and he doesn't and that scares him, that's not your man. Right? That's not your partner. If I go to a dinner, we have our first date, and even second date. First, second date, we sit at the table and you start bringing up things like finances. And these are all things that are you know, deal breakers for me, finances, kids, family, stuff like that. Like, I, I'm not gonna hold you. I'm gonna look at you like you kind of crazy. So, you know, is there like a certain amount of time that you would say like a lot? Is it like the first 30 days? Is it the first 90 days? Like, what does that, what does that look like? Cause I don't want to sit down at a table with somebody that early on and have those types of conversations. Although those are conversations that need to be had. 
Yep. So I think it's how you ask the question, right? Um, and I had this conversation with a young lady recently. She was dating a new guy. And she asked, like, what do you want? What do you want? And it scared them. And I said, well, instead of asking him, what do you want? Because he probably doesn't know what he wants from you yet. The way you ask the question is, what type of relationship are you open to? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And so that lets me know if you are looking for marriage, if you just want to have fun. Now, just because they're open to that, it doesn't mean that it's going to be with you. But it will let me know whether or not I'm wasting my time with you. And so in terms of kids do you want to have kids, right? That's something that I asked up front because I'm not sure that I want to have kids. And so I need to have that in the back of my mind when I'm evaluating the whole situation. Um, and so you need, I, so there's certain things that I ask up front. Like, so the big thing for me is like marriage and like I need emotional support, that type of thing. Um, and so I think the ones that are absolutely deal breakers for you, they need to have them before you even go out. All of the other ones, like finances and all of that, I think, you know, you as you grow with the person, right, think about it when you build a relationship, a platonic relationship. The first time you meet somebody, you don't tell them your whole life story, right? You grow with it. And it's the same thing with a romantic relationship. You build on the foundation. The more you spend time together, the more you feel like, oh, okay, this might be going somewhere. Then you need to start asking the more, you know, serious questions. But I think that there are some questions that need to happen before you even go out to make sure that they hit everything on your list of non-negotiables. And you know, I love that you said that. Um, I went on a, I went out on a date a few months ago, a few months, no, a few weeks ago. Um, and the date ended up being a horrible date, but I literally like met the guy on a Friday. We went out on a date on a Wednesday. Um, I ended up talking about it on air because the guy ended up like spazzing on me because I was just like, I'm not really interested. Yeah, I was like, I'm not really interested in you. And um, one of the callers called in and said, kind of the same thing that you said is you need to spend more time on the phone talking to this person and having these conversations to figure out if this is a person that you actually need to be going on a date with. So I really, really, that's confirmation for me in and of itself. But I love that you said that. I think we very often, um, because society says like, hey, you got to get married, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that, that we like to rush things and we don't dial back. And, I, and I'm starting to learn that it is time to start dialing back, having them little baby, those little teenage conversations that we used to have when we were 16 on the phone until 2 a.m. We need to go back to that those days and then go on dates. I just, I, I love that you said that because it was, it was so funny to hear you say that and then have a caller tell me the same thing. Like, girl, you just, you need to have them little random conversations before you go out. I had a conversation. I got a new client yesterday. She divorced. Um, she was married. She said, I didn't even like him. I wasn't attracted to him. I didn't like, like nothing about him. Wow. And well, you know, well, what made you, so we can kind of make sure that you don't repeat this. What made you go ahead and marry him? He was a good father and I was in a rush. Mm -hmm. right, so you got to keep in mind why you want to be in a relationship. And is that reason healthy? Like, do you just want to be in a relationship because society is saying, go get married? Like yeah. marriage is not the end goal, right? It takes a lot to be in a relationship. Right. And so I think there I stopped rushing once I realized that a relationship is two people learning how to coexist. And the minute I realized that we can't coexist, I'm done with it. The quicker, the better, right? So that I'm not six, seven, eight months in and like, dang, but I do kind of like him. But this, maybe he could change. No, he can't change. It's so many, on that. Oh, it's, it's so many things I want to say. We'll be talking for hours. But I do want to ask you a, a, a weird question. In your profession, how do you coach somebody who has never been in what they would claim a meaningful relationship? How do you coach somebody like that? I've never been in love. 
That's a good one, Britt. That's a good one. And so actually my, my approach would be similar, whether they've never been in love or if they're in a relationship that is not healthy or they're unsatisfied with, my approach would still be similar. I would start with the same question that I just asked. Why do you want to be in a relationship? What is it that you are looking to get out of this partnership? Because that's what it should be, right? Um, and making sure that that is a healthy reason first, right? Um, there may be some things that we need to dive into there or, you know, you need to make sure that your partner compliments you and not completes you, right? And so that would be the first thing, um, knowing exactly why you want to be in a relationship. And then the second thing that I have them do, um, think about what you want your life to look like. If everything is ideal in five years, what does it look like? What does your career look like? What kind of house do you have? What does your family look like? And then work backwards from there. What do you need in a partner to get there? And so those are the things that you know that you need to look for in a partner so that you can reach there. Right? And so the other thing that I do a lot with women when I work with them, um, after we talk about, you know, your own goals and what you want your life to look like and what you need in a partner, who do you need to be to attract that person? And this is where we spend a lot of time because this is when we want to get deep into the areas of growth, the negative beliefs, the things that society has told you is what it should be. And right. And so this is where we pull back a lot of those layers and we spend a lot of time figuring out, you know, you say you want all of these things. You got to be this tall and make this amount of money. And but are you the person that that person would be attracted to? And if not, we have some work to do. Right? It always is going to start with a relationship with yourself. Right? You can't have a healthy relationship with anybody else if your relationship with yourself isn't first healthy. So even though I work with people in their relationships, a lot of the work that we do is self work, knowing who the person is, knowing what they want. Um, their areas of growth, what they're actually looking for in a partner, and then you can go out and look for that person. Mm, 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 mm. Aaron, we met again during that event with the uh, this dating app called Carpe DM. Um, how how do you feel about <laughs> how do you feel about this online dating world um, and how it's progressed in our society? Has changed our society? And how we engage with each with each other. Um, is there ever a moment where you feel like I know this is a loaded question? Is there ever a moment you look, we got to get off the apps. That's what I've done recently. Recently, I was very much intentionally dating for the last four years to be in a relationship, a committed relationship where I can build with somebody. We work in each other's businesses. This is my person that I can confide in. Um, and I was doing it all through the apps because I'm an introvert. I don't really go out to clubs and bars and I don't be young. I ain't, I'm not a player like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, that was the only means I had of doing it. And I was just, was not finding good luck. Yeah. So, um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with the dating apps. A lot of people go through a cycle of I'm on now, I'm off. I'm the worst. I would give dating apps like maybe an hour and then I'm over this. Right. <laughs> Um, I think it also depends on your personality. It doesn't really work too well for me. I, I need to experience your personality. On paper, I'm a lot, uh, I'm a harder critic than I would be in person. Um, so I think it's about knowing your personality and what works for you. Um, how do you present online, right? Is that really the best representation of you? Um, I think the trouble with it is that a lot of people out here on these dating apps, they aren't necessarily looking for something long-term, right? And so I think you would have to be open and honest about that upfront um, in terms of what it is you're looking for and when they aren't looking for the same things you are, right? That's when you got to go ahead and, oh, no, thank you. You know, we don't want the same things. Um, but I know that online dating has definitely gotten a bad rap, especially like when you are older and millennial, they like, I'm old school, I want to be in person which is cool, but a lot of us don't go outside. We want somebody to break into our house. So, um, you know, I don't think that, I wouldn't discourage the online dating, um, but it is difficult because not everybody has the same intentions as you. Thinking about online dating, not to say that this is always the case, but I mean, it happens in person as well. Um, how, do, how do I navigate the world of like the pretenders, the fakes, because there's a lot of people out there, they'll say what they need to say, they know the boxes to check off. And then once you really with them, and you know, it's time for the rubber to meet the road. They're not the same person that they said they was. Men yep. and women. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Um, and so I think you got to pay attention to actions as, as well as words, right? Somebody can tell you all day long, yeah, this is what I want. I want what you want. Um, but you got to see if their actions add up. Um, so well, for me, right, I say emotional support is one of the biggest things that's very important for me in a relationship. So I'll tell somebody that, right, that's important for me. But then I'm going to also pay attention. Does he ask me how my day is? When I am sharing with him, is he really listening, right? Because I need a safe space, right? I'm the go-to person for a lot of people, but I need my own safe space. And so while you might say it, I also need your actions to back it up because that's what's going to make me feel, you know, feel safe and secure in this relationship. Um, so absolutely, there are pretenders out there, but nobody can keep it up forever. Um, I run into a lot of men for me um, that hmm. they talk a good game. They talk a good game, but when we start having conversations, right, they don't really add up to what they said, right? And it, it has definitely been disappointing, uh, but then I just be like, uh, well, okay, on to the next. I just, I, there's nothing really much that you can do about that. It's just as long as you are able to trust yourself enough that you will leave a situation as soon as you know that this can't be it forever. Oh, that's a triggering convo. I, I was in a, a recent entanglement on this exact topic. Um, I was with someone. I'm I'm very as I have gone through my healing. I'm I'm very much upfront expressing what I look for in a relationship. I'm looking for something long term. I'm looking for something serious. Uh, eventually, you know, getting to know someone. And um, I was in this entanglement with this person who, who expressed the same exact values I had. Very intelligent. He has similar interests and stuff. But um, through behavior, I recognized that it didn't, she she didn't seem like she was, you know, truly interested in that. And so we decided just to walk away. Um, so emotional intelligence, healthy relationships, black community. Do you feel like emotional intelligence, this whole language is being spoken in the black community because this goes into you know i guess even like therapy like how how big is emotional intelligence in a black community how, how you feel like we're informed absolutely not um and it's evident by this idea that men don't have emotions men don't feel we think somebody Baby. somebody commented on my post the other day like men don't feel we think what? I'm emotional as hell. <laughs> and, and, and so it's definitely a misconception that men don't have emotions, right? The way that our brain process things, anything that you touch, right? A signal is sent to our brain so we can tell it's hot. We don't like it, all of that. It comes to, and I'm not going to get too technical, but the signals enter our brain from our spinal cord. The front part of our brain is the logical part that you think with and you process with. The middle part of your brain that's the emotional part. So everything goes to the emotional part before it can even get to the logical part. So absolutely everybody has an emotional reaction first to everything. You can't help it. If you're a human and you don't have any type of, you know, special needs or abnormalities, you're going to have an emotional reaction first. It's about whether or not that signal keeps going to the logical portion of your brain. And so unfortunately in the black community, especially for men, the reason that it, it seems as if they're not emotional because they don't know how to identify emotions, right? They don't have that self-awareness, but that's because that's what they're taught from a young age. Boys don't cry, right? And so as they grow up, they learn to suppress their emotions. And then when they get older, they still don't know how to tell sadness from anger necessarily. But what they do is they exhibit those emotions in a more socially acceptable way. So violence, you know, being aggressive. Um, and Kevin Gates actually did an interview talking about this. Did you say Kevin and, Gates? Yes. Oh, yeah, I know I love Kevin Gates. <laughs> so he did an interview with this and his experience. And he was like, like, I had to learn that me being violent is because I really was experiencing this other emotion that I didn't know how to identify. Whereas women and girls from a young age, right, we're taught to play house. We're taught to be caregivers, right? We're supposed to know what's wrong with the child before the child even knows. We're supposed to know what crime means hunger and what crime means their, dirt, their diaper is dirty. And so it's definitely a misconception that men don't have emotion. It's just that they lack the self-awareness to identify the different emotions. This is why people do crazy stuff like commit violence because they're 
girlfriend or their ex-girlfriend got a new boyfriend, right? Like it, it all comes down to the inability to regulate your emotions. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I can completely relate to that as a man who went through a huge transformative experience. I, a big-time introvert, stifled all my emotions. My father was a Marine drill sergeant. Get into college, I was very explosive, violent damn near Kanye-ish. <laughs> and it, it took a big mental breakdown to get to a breakthrough to find this, this clarity and self-awareness. And so, it, yeah, it's, it, it takes a lot. And, you know, women go through it too for, for their own individual reasons. Um, yes, I'm fortunate. I, I do think as uninformed as so much of the Black community is, more language, people like you who are stepping into the space and doing that community work, it's, it's getting out there. And, and I'm, I'm glad to hear it, you know. Um, Jackie, you have any other questions? How, as a, as a woman, and, and you know, we just talked about men not really being in touch with their emotional intelligence because it's something that um, they weren't raised to do. How, as a woman or as a partner, do I support my man and help him lock in and and hone in on his and be comfortable with, to be completely honest, with his. Um, emotional intelligence um so he doesn't feel that i how do i how do i help my man or you know how do the 365ers help their their men yeah and so a lot of this is going to come out in communication like i said earlier that's the the probably the biggest way that you see emotional intelligence show up um the arguing the fighting and all of that sharing how you feel and so i think what's important is that you create an emotionally safe space right? For both partners, but we're talking about for our, for our guy that's not used to it. And so I found that things, just ask them how your day is. Like the last guy I dated, he told me, I am the first person to ever ask him how his day is. He's 40 something years old. And I'm like, that's crazy. Right. And so he was like, and to like really mean it. So I think it's the things that we take for granted, asking, how is your day? Um, asking if there's anything wrong, you know, what's going on? Um, when you know that something is bothering them, I think sometimes we take, we try to be so helpful that we want to make them talk to us, but you can't always make them, right? A lot of people didn't grow up communicating or any of that. So um, I think the better approach is to ask them, is there anything that I can do right now? Is there anything I can do to help you, right? You let them know that you are available to help. Um, you are there to listen, even if they just want to vent and they don't want you to say anything, right? But actually ask them what they need from you. And again, they may not know. You can try different things. Like you want me to be the big spoon and let you talk. Like you just want to vent or, you know, whatever it is. But I think we can't force them to do things. We just have to let them know that it's okay to talk to you. Um, absolutely do not use what they say against you later. Like I hear a lot of that. Um, and just letting them know that, it's okay to talk, right? It's okay to cry, like emotion. You're a human being. Um, and I actually would probably like you more if you do cry. Like, it's okay. Don't suppress all of those and then blow up on me. Like, that's crazy. That's not going to work out. No, that's facts. Uh, Aaron, this conversation has been like, I don't even want to say super crazy, but it has been super crazy because, you know, like I said, when we first started off, I always thought emotional intelligence just had to do with me. Like, make sure you are tuned into your emotions so you know how you are feeling. I didn't have an idea that it had to do with other people. And now that we're having this conversation, um, I feel like I need to kind of tune in into my emotional intelligence just a little bit more in relation to how I deal with other people. I think 
for me, it stopped a lot at just me. Um, so this was a very enlightening conversation. Um, I know Britt said that you guys um, did an event together in DC. Is DC the only place that you practice? Um, if somebody lives in, I live in Atlanta, if somebody lives in Atlanta or Houston and they want to reach out to you and talk to you some more, um, how can they do that? Where can they do that at? Yep. So uh, a lot of my services are virtual, so I can help you from wherever you are. Um, if you head over to my website, um, AaronFDarton.com, real simple, um, or send me a message on social media, same handle, AaronFDarton. Um, we can schedule time to talk and figure out, you know, how I can help you. A lot of the work that I do, um, people that are not in relationships and they don't know what to look for. And so we work through that self-awareness. And like I said, you know, what you need in a partner and your obstacles. Um, and then the other half of the work that I do is a lot around people that already in, are already in relationships and communication and communicating in a way that your partner can receive what you're saying, right? Like you were saying, it just stops at you. So sometimes when people do that, I'm going to say what I got to say, regardless of how it comes off. But a lot of times the person can't receive that. And so the second part of that is making sure that you're communicating in a way that your partner can receive you. Um, so communication is a lot of what I do um, and making sure that both partners feel heard and they know how to communicate their needs to their partner. Um, so I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one sessions. I'm actually getting ready to start doing a lot of uh, classes again um, because that's I love doing classes and teaching people. Um, but yes, definitely we can schedule a consultation, figure out how I can help, um, and we can come up with like a, a personalized plan, you know, whatever it is that you need to work on. I'll have a guideline, but I like to keep it flexible because everybody's going to need something different. Um, and just going through those different things and starting with you as a person, um, making sure that you're healthy yourself, you like yourself, um, and then moving on to a relationship. That's real. That's real. Uh, social media. Did you drop that? Yep. So my name is my name. So Aaron F. Darden. So it's going to be E-R-I-N-S-D-A-R-D-E-N. -E and that's me on all the platforms. And that's my website. My email address is Aaron. I mean, info at AaronFDarton.com. Real simple. Perfect. Thank you so much, Aaron. Like I said, super good conversation. And I'm going to say super crazy because I just feel like every time we do this, um, I'm just reading myself. And this was a conversation where Jackie was read again. So it's crazy how, you know, you have these conversations, not thinking that you're going to read yourself, but you end up reading yourself. So thank you for reading me because I am, um, I, I'm, I've learned a lot about self um, with the 365ers and I'm very thankful for it. Um, likewise, likewise. Yeah. This is definitely a conversation that spoke to the soul of a lot of people. Um, I definitely had so many, every almost every single relationship situation you explained, I was like, okay, that would happen to me too. Uh, <laughs> me Red too. for filth. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's me. Mm, oh, no, it's talking about uh, me. <laughs> all with love. <laughs> with all with love. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for your time. Um, 365ers, again, we are your champions of truth with trusted professionals who are extremely knowledgeable so that you can be informed all year long. Peace, namaste, and love. See you next time. Black Health 365 is an Urban One and Reach Media production hosted by Jackie Page and Britt Daniels, created by Samuel Tatum and Laura Lopez, executive produced by Brittany Jackson and Kadisha Campbell, editing and production, Jahi Whitehead, sales and corporate sponsorship, Patty Johnson.